So this summer, we are soaking in the truth of God's love for each one of us. And we've been taking a look at the nature of God's love for us. The emphasis has been upon that it is not just a global love for humanity, but it is God's love specifically for each one of us, uniquely for each one of us. And today we're going to take a look at the idea that God's love is patient. God's love is patient. Now, I know we've all made plans, some small plans, some larger plans, maybe you plan for vacations or you plan for a major purchase, maybe you made family plans, plans to grow a family, family plans or, or business plans. Uh, we've all made we've all made plans. But you know, I don't know if you're like me. I'm not really great at being patient once the plan is in place. I have a hard time when I've made a plan uh, to um, not get a little antsy, <laughs> wanting to realize that plan. I want that plan, I want to experience that plan. But you know, for some plans, you simply have to wait, and you have to be patient. Uh, things like retirement. <laughs> you got to wait for that date for your retirement. Uh, maybe for a down payment on a house. You kind of got to get it together because the bank is going to give you that mortgage until you've got that down payment. So you have to wait for something. Maybe the conditions have to be just so um, or just right. In order to build a family, to get pregnant, for instance, or or to to uh, for the adoption sort of to, to work its way out, you have to be patient. I love this scripture from Jeremiah because it tells me that God has plans for my life. Jeremiah twenty nine, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Famous words. Wonderful words, right? And when we see the word prosper, we can sometimes get mistaken. And those words can be misused. But when you look at the breadth of Scripture, we know that God is not talking about when He says, I'm going to prosper you, that it's going to bring fame and fortune. That doesn't measure up to what we read in Scripture. But to be prospered by God means to live a rich life. A life that is rich in peace and contentment, in love and in joy, in hope. All the things that we long for as human beings. God has designed those plans for us. He wants us to enjoy that rich life. But you know what? He has to be patient. He has to be patient with us because we hold things up. We hold things up with uh, our lack of faith, for instance, or our stubborn independence. Because we too have plans that aren't always in sync with His plans. 
our obsession with other interests that'll take us on these rabbit trails. Our sin and our rebellion. These are all things that are hindrances to us realizing God's wonderful plan for our life. But you know, we are in good company. <laughs> Just read the Bible, and, and even the great ones, those who are recorded in Hebrews 12, the, the champions, the heroes of the faith, they struggled with this too. They struggled with realizing the fullness of the richness that God wants, wanted them to experience because of all of those things. Lack of faith, stubborn independence. But at some point they got it right. At some point they started to realize that if they just fully, completely seek God and His heart, they could enjoy the plans that God had for them. Now those words, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, were spoken to Israel, all right? Specifically spoken to the southern kingdom of Israel. There was the north and the south, Judah in the south, the other tribes in the north. And so those words were spoken to Israel. And so we know that God loved and loves Israel. Read this with me in Deuteronomy 10. This is God, and, and it's interesting, speaking about patience. God is actually speaking these particular words through uh, to Moses about Israel, who he had just delivered from slavery. And while he was up, Moses was up with God getting the Ten Commandments in the law, his people were rebelling. rebelling. And so... <laughs> Moses comes down, the Ten Commandments get thrown down and smashed to pieces because Moses is upset, God is upset with the people. And as God tells Moses to refashion the tablets and to write out the Ten Commandments again, included in that conversation are these words. To the Lord your God belong the heavens even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them and chose you, their descendants above all the nations, as it is today. And so it is clear that God loves Israel. And so I want us to take a look at the context, if you will, of those precious words, for I know the plans I have you for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What is the historical context in which those words were spoken by God? Well, let's just do a little bit of history here. Jeremiah was a prophet. One of the Old Testament prophets. And he was chosen by God to speak God's words to Judah from Jerusalem. And he happened to be the prophet in Judah at the time prior to and actually during and after the Babylonian invasion of Judah 
the destruction of Jerusalem and the taking of the wisest, the best of Israel into Babylon for 70 years of activity. That was Jeremiah's gig. He got to be the one who pronounced to the people of Israel, stop what you're doing. Stop it. Stop rebelling. Turn from your false idols and your false gods. Turn to God. But if you don't, God is going to allow Babylon to conquer you. And it's going to take you into captivity. And so that is the context of these words. I'm going to read sort of the, the verses around our key verse in Jeremiah 29 now. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to this place from which I carried you into exile. Those words actually were spoken during the captivity. Jeremiah sent those words written down to the Israelites as they were in Babylon in captivity. God's love for us is a patient love. Here's even more proof. Earlier on we read Jeremiah's words to Israel. But this is prior to the invasion of Babylon. This is prior to the captivity. We read in chapter 25. The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Je Jehokim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first, of, uh, first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, for 23 years, from the 30th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. For 23 years, continually speaking, warning, it's coming, turn from your wicked ways. And though the Lord has sent all these servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. They said, turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever and forever. Do not follow other gods to serve and worship them. Do not arouse my anger with what you, your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. But you didn't listen to me declares the Lord. And you have aroused my anger with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourselves. Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north of my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. 
I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. And I will banish them from the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of the bride and the bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord. And I will make it desolate forever. And I will bring on that land all the things I've spoken against it, all that are written in the book and prophesied by Jeremiah against all the nations. They themselves will be enslaved by many nations and great kings, and I will repay them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. There was the warning. For years, God used the prophets to try to convince Judah. It's, it's even more remarkable because the northern kingdom went through the exact same thing. The northern kingdom refused to follow the God of Israel, the one true God. And it was destroyed and all of its members taken into exile. And yet Judah is on the same exact path. And God is sending prophets and saying this is going to happen. And it's actually going to be this guy, Nebuchadnezzar. He's from Babylon. He's going to come. You're going to be captive for 70 years. I mean... How explicit or more explicit could God have been? How more direct and completely clear could he have been? And yet Judah kept on that path, and actually it did happen. And while Judah is in captivity in Babylon, we have those wonderful words, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That amazing. I have these plans. Right? I have these plans. But God didn't throw in the towel. God didn't give up. God didn't forsake these stubborn people who had been warned. I mean, it just boggles the mind that God could be so, so patient. And that's because God loves Judah, God loves Israel, and God's love is patient. So some of you are saying, Tim, I hate it when you talk about the Old Testament, man. That's for, that, that's for another generation. No, it's not. <laughs> and I want you to know that those beautiful words, for I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, are spoken to you. Not just Israel in the context of, you know, 586 B.C. How do I know that? Well, I can make a really good argument, and I won't bore you with it today, but that you are part of Israel. You have been engrafted into, as Paul writes in Romans, you have been engrafted, you know, like in that planting terminology and in that uh, means of uh, doing some uh, propagation of plants to graft into, you have been grafted into. And so when he speaks words to Israel, 
like I have plans for you, they're your words too. They're spoken to you. Look at Jeremiah 31, if you will. Another part of Jeremiah's prophecy that basically says that God is going to expand Israel to include people outside of ethnic Israel, and they too are going to become part of what is known as a new covenant. Let's read it together. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Right? We always talk about the new covenant. We're part of the new covenant, right? With the people of Israel, the people of Judah, and I will not make, I will, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds, I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach a neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they'll all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you are part of Israel. And you are part of that promise. God has plans for you. Plans to prosper you. To give you hope in the future. Those words are for you. Look at Romans 9, if you will. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy when he prepared in advance for those he prepared in advance for glory? Even us. He's talking to Romans. Those are not Jews. And you aren't Roman, perhaps, or Italian, but you might be. <laughs> but you are a Gentile. You are outside ethnic Israel. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, that's you, whom he also called not only from Jews but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And so we see clearly that we are part of those beautiful words, I have plans for you. And it's fitting, isn't it? Because we're no different than those rebellious Israelites who know the consequences of their sin and yet still sin. Right? We're no different than they are. We fit in quite well. We're stiff-necked and stubborn. Right? We do the wrong. We choose to do the wrong thing all the time. But in the midst of our stubbornness, in the midst of our waywardness, God still says, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you. God's love for you is patient. 
We just participated in the Lord's Supper. And we heard the words. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. We are part of that new covenant. And we are part of God's patient love. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. But there is a requirement, right? If we are going to realize those hopes, that hope and that bright future and that rich life that we can have, that God has planned for each one of us, we have to remember that we need to seek God. Part of that scripture is, you seek me, you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you want to appreciate and realize that wonderful promise that God wants to prosper you, you need to seek Him with all of your heart. I want to close with the words of Jesus' old buddy, Peter. Someone who experienced Christ's patience in spades. These words should come as a warning to those of us, of us who have never decided to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Or, I think more tragically, those of us who have fooled themselves into believing that they are followers of Jesus Christ, but there's absolutely no fruit of it. In other words, you would call yourself a Christian, but there's nothing Christian about your life. Peter said these words, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then there's that terrible word, but. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare, and there will be a great judgment. And if we, if we are not found in Christ, if we have not sought Him with all of our heart, God's patience will end. It, it, it will cease. And there will be an eternal judgment that we live with. And so if you've never made that decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, yeah, God loves you and God is patient. We can all attest to that, those of us who have come into the saving grace of Christ. We know how patient God could be. But we have to be aware that there will be a day when judgment comes. It would be a horrible thing 
to find yourself outside of the family of Christ at that point. God's love for you is patient, but there is a day of reckoning. Will you be found seeking Him with all your heart? There's that old expression, you're trying my patience. <laughs> I don't know how God puts up with us, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm sure we try His patience. But I am sure, I am very sure, that His love for us is patient. And He loves us and is faithful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your patience with the nation of Israel. I thank You, Lord, that You opened up membership in Your godly family, in Your chosen family, to people like us, that we can be part of Your new covenant, and that we too can hold to that promise that You have plans for us, I pray for each one of us that we would be mindful of the choices that we make, that we would not seek after other things, but that we would seek wholly your heart so that we can realize and enjoy those wonderful plans you have for us. Help us not to try your patience. We thank you, Lord, for your patience. In Jesus' name, amen.